to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. I hope everybody is doing well, and thank you so much for listening and making a commitment to learning. I am one of your hosts. I am Jordan Porter, and unfortunately, Yvonne Brandenburg could not join me today, but I have the wonderful Brian Morgan with me today. How are you, Brian? I'm wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, So we brought Brian on today because... We tend to do some of these episodes where we kind of just discuss a little bit of those opportunities of going beyond being a vet tech in a clinic, right? And Brian, you used to be a vet tech. Well, you still are a vet tech. <laughs> um, I think there, it's like a soapbox, but it's like always one of those things where I even say, I used to be a vet tech. Like I'm still a vet tech, even though I'm not in clinic. Yeah. And I, it's just a yeah. bad habit that I don't know how to like <laughs> knock off. <laughs> but we wanted to kind of bring you on and kind of discuss your career path because it's it's different than most and I think it's hard when you're in clinic a lot to when you go to school get your RVT and you're in clinic once you're there you're a technician and it's very hard to find how to grow or like what to do next in order to be more and I think a lot of people are set in the fact that like oh well maybe if I become inventory manager or if I become kennel manager or if I become practice manager then I've really like succeeded at my career but like I think it's hard to find those paths that you can succeed in your vet med career without being in clinic and that's Mm -hmm. like what everybody wants to know about now too is like well how can I still be in vet med and be a vet tech but not be in the clinic and a lot of times what I see is when people do get out of the clinic, it's because they have an idea, right? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. an idea and it just takes you being like, Hey, I saw this happen and I want this to happen. So I'm going to go do that. So if you, sure. if you can kind of just tell me about how your career got started and what your actual, like in clinic vet tech career looked like, and then where that kind of led you. Sure. Um, and thank you so much for having me on. This is so exciting. I, uh, I listen to your podcast. So to be on this podcast, I, you know, I'm talking to a celebrity of mine. So oh this is, uh, this is <laughs> actually <now. laughs> very exciting. So um, thank you for having me. Um, yes, I, I think that uh, being in clinical practice as a vet tech, uh, we all know how hard that is. We all know um, that once we have so much training and once we have so much expertise, that's kind of the box that we put ourselves into mm-hmm. um, because it's what we're good at and it's what we know. Um, so how to get outside of that sometimes is not apparent. And sometimes you don't have to get outside of that. You know, um, like you mentioned, becoming inventory manager, becoming a practice manager, you know, sometimes that's enough and yeah. um, that's great. And you can make a huge impact on um, the lives of the people that you work with and, and on many patients' lives as well. So um, there's many different ways to do it. Um, I got started actually, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, uh, actually Tennessee. from a small town. Yeah, it's really fun. Um, and uh, from a small town called Mount Juliet, which is just east of Nashville. Oh, and really? uh, I started out, yeah, I started out in a, a, a vet practice there called Animal uh, Care Center um, that I used to shadow when I was a kid. Um, the owner, Dr. Mike Harris, used to allow me to come and shadow uh, occasionally because I was so fascinated with veterinary medicine 
I knew that I wanted to be a veterinarian from an early age, which I think a lot of technicians start out saying, I want to be a veterinarian mm -hmm. uh, from a young age. So um, that was my goal. That was my dream. Um, and then eventually I got to start out there um, as a kennel worker when I was old enough to have a job. Uh, and that was fun and uh, just kind of uh, gave me uh, exposure to the day-to-day -day of a veterinary practice. Um, and then eventually I became a veterinary technician, but that wasn't enough for me. Uh, I was being, I, I became a veterinary technician and worked there uh, for several years, but I also went to college and double majored in theater and biology. Um, yeah, because, you know, that's what you do. Uh, it's your one life. You should do everything you want, right? So, I mean, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, it was, it was really fun. So, uh, and I, I learned a lot of lessons that helped me on, uh, on my journey and into my career path to where I'm at now, um, even through theater, uh, which I thought was really kind of exciting. So yeah, that is, interesting. I worked as a vet tech. Yeah. I worked as a vet tech through college. Um, I ended up moving to New York, uh, after college because I wanted to be a Broadway star. Uh, so I thought I would move here and, um, I was lucky enough to get a job at a, uh, veterinary hospital, uh, called Mercy Animal Hospital that was here uh, on uh, the Upper East Side. And it was owned by Dr. Gerald Johnson, who is a legend in the infernal medicine space. Uh, mm -hmm. He is actually one of the pioneers of endoscopy in animals. So uh, he has since retired now, but I was super fortunate to have gotten a job working there as their head tech uh, when I moved to New York. And that was my survival job while I waited for my, you know, my fame uh, to get out there and, and, and take the bright lights of Broadway. Um, but what was so fascinating with working with him is he, he wasn't just the owner of the practice and he wasn't just this brilliant internist, uh, but he also had a passion for teaching. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of, as technicians and as medical professionals in general, uh, you're, you naturally gravitate towards learning and wanting to learn more. Mm -hmm. um, but not all of us have the opportunity or we have, not all of us are, uh, have the exposure to somebody willing to take that time. Well, yeah, uh, not everybody's you. a teacher either, though. So it's like exactly it's one of those things. It's, it's hard to find because some people do want to just go in, help a pet get out. And it's like it's hard yeah. to find those ones like willing to kind of like take you under their wing and like show you all the things. And I think that's a big key, though, too, and like how your the direction of your career moves, honestly. Sure, I agree with you. And, and I would tell you another thing is it wasn't a giant specialty practice. It was his single doctor practice and he was a internist. And so I wasn't in a multi-specialty center. Uh, those are their own animals as far as how busy you are, how much time that you can dedicate to yeah. um, teaching people uh, when you're trying to see so many cases. So I really um, lucked out and was very fortunate to have uh, stumbled across him uh, and, and happened to just apply right when their, uh, their other head tech had, had quit. And so it was perfect timing. Everything was perfect timing. Um, then I worked with him for years and years and years, uh, about six years, I would say. Um, but after about three years as his head tech, I became the hospital administrator uh, because we had a need for it. And yeah. I had a desire to do more, uh, kind of like what you described earlier, how you kind of look for your next career ladder. So yeah. I had a desire to do more. So I, I became the hospital administrator and that that just gave me a lot more exposure to things that I had never really been exposed to. And we're talking about, you know, budgeting, we're talking about staffing, we're talking about mm -hmm. uh, 
training, hiring, firing, um, yeah. you know, Kudos inventory, to him, all of for, that. Like allowing you to like to do that position. Cause I think that's, that's difficult. And that's one of the problems with vet med, right. Is that like doctors go to school to be veterinarians and to be doctors and stuff, but they don't go to school to be business owners or managers or HR personnel or like, so to see the need for that in your practice and then find that person who would fill that role for you. So that way a doctor can be a doctor. You might be the owner and that's fine but you don't need to wear all the hats, right? You can hire people to do these things. And I think that's a big thing in tech utilization too, that you found a clinic that did utilize you for your potential. Right. And it brought back to the clinic, right? Because clinics need that. Again, a doctor doesn't need to be everything. <laughs> and I sure. think that's a hard lesson for people to learn. So I mean, I it mean is. kudos to him for allowing, like, like recognizing the need for that. Because that's it's. I think it's becoming more apparent now, but I think- like even when I was in clinic ten years ago, like it, I don't, I hardly knew any hospital administrators. <laughs> like, yeah, well, and it is interesting, right? Because the relationship that techs have to their hospital administrator um, can be different uh, mm-hmm. depending on the hospital that they're in, how big the hospital is, and actually how good they are at it. Because management, um, and this is something I had to learn. You know, leading is not managing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can be a good manager, but a poor leader and you can be a good leader and a poor manager. So, um, there's so many different things that go into place with that. And, and I would tell you how I got that job and kind of how I've gotten a lot of jobs, um, moving forward is actually something I learned in theater, uh, when I was, uh, auditioning quite a bit mm-hmm. and something that some of my theater instructors told me, I used to get so nervous before an audition and they would say, why they want you to be the one that's going to solve the problem that they have. They want, they're hoping that you walk in that door and you're the one that's going to get the role because that makes their job easier. So if you can show the person uh, for uh, who you're asking for a promotion to, if you can show them that you're the person that they can rely on for that and you have that confidence just to say, hey, I'm showing you that this is, this is something that's going to help you. Um, you approach it in that, in that way versus a, uh, Oh, I want to make more money or I want to, um, I want something bigger than what I'm doing now, or I've been in this position for 10 years. I want something different. If you can just approach it in a way that shows them that you're the one, then they all, they almost have a hard time saying no, uh, because you're illustrating to them, uh, exactly what you're going to do for them to make their lives easier and why you're the right one. And that's like, it's a genius way to think about it. Cause I think a lot of times when you're interviewing, it's a, I know I think about it, right? Like a, I got to sell myself. Right. Like I got to like, I got to make them want me, but like, no, like they already do want me because like, I know that I can fill that role and I know that I can do that. Otherwise I wouldn't have applied for it. And so it's like, you're right. Like just transition your thinking a little bit into like, you're like, you're helping them. And it's, it's not a, it's not a sales pitch. It's just a, like, what are you going to do to solve their problem? That's right. Half the battle is already over. They have already called you in for an interview. They already decided that you have something that they want. Yeah. Uh, it's not about you convincing them that you're, uh, that they need you. It's about you convincing them that you're the right person for it. Yeah. And so many people get into their own way by working themselves up into nerves before that process that they end up not coming across as genuine. They end up coming across, they don't come across as their real self. And that, you're basically shooting yourself in the foot. So I also had another theater uh, professor who would tell me, stop being the only person on the football field tackling yourself. 
meaning get out of your own way. You are actually the one that's uh, hindering your own progress by doing that. So anyways, I did, I did move up there um, and became the hospital administrator, got a lot of exposure to a lot of uh, new skill sets um, that uh, definitely had a learning curve, but um, I had a natural curiosity and a, a desire to want to uh, succeed at that. So um, I was successful there. And then he decided to retire and he sold his practice to BCA. Mm-hmm. And we actually, they had a, a location down the road. So we actually moved in with BCA uh, into their practice. <clears throat> they already had a hospital administrator. So they kind of didn't know what to do with me. Um, so mm-hmm. we got to collaborate. I got to collaborate with the hospital administrator there and kind of develop a new position that they had never had before. Um, And my role became the director of medical services. And basically what that allowed me to do um, was to solve a problem that the doctors were having. Uh, You, everybody's probably familiar with this. Once the doctor's done with their caseload for the day, they get back to their desk and they've got hours of phone calls to make. They've Mm -hmm. got so many messages, so many records on the desk, follow-up calls, things like that. What we decided would be best is if they bring, uh, they set the expectation with the pet owner clearly at the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. So, hey, we're going to be dealing with your pet, this diagnosis and management of the care. We're going to get some blood work done. We're going to do some diagnostics. This is Brian. He is going to be a part of your care as well. And you're going to receive calls from him letting you know about blood work and everything. And if everything's normal and everything's good, then there's no need for you to talk to me you'll need to talk to me whenever we need, we're making decisions uh, mm-hmm. or when there's some things that we need to discuss about the case as far as how to move forward and what the actual plan is. But he's going to be involved uh, and take some of those day-to-day things off um, because you don't need to hear from me if everything's within normal limits. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, when they were done with their uh, exams, they might have three records to call back instead of 20. Yeah. And so it, it made them more efficient because they were able to see more clients uh, in a, a specific time window because they're not having to ha- field all those phone calls. Yeah. It made the clients uh, okay and happy with that plan yeah. because they were getting calls sooner than ever. <clears throat> you know, they weren't waiting till the end of the day, things like that. So uh, we kind of had to think outside of the box and, and now, come up with a new plan. Now, when you did that though, too, because like Yvonne and I are heavy on tech utilization, right? And like we talk mm-hmm. about it all the time. And it's, it's while you're providing a service to the clients and to the doctor, like that company though, also allowed you to feel fulfilled and feel needed and feel like you were being useful. And I think like it's missed a lot, right? It's like, I think that's probably one of the hardest things about being a technician is that like, unless you're like that go-to person in your hospital that's always being asked to do something, like sometimes you get those days where you're just like, I kind of feel like I didn't accomplish anything. Like I just did the normal, like I put this person in a room, I drew some blood, like I sent that prescription out. Like, and so it's hard to feel fulfilled every day, but I think when you get recognition for a position such as that, where it's like, you're making a difference. You're allowing that doctor to see more pets and do more pets while taking a burden off of them, but still providing amazing, excellent care to the client and to the pet. And I think, I think that gets overlooked as to like how important that is for everybody involved, not just like, I I agree. Yeah. And I would say the word is empowerment, right? They empowered me to feel like I could affect change or make a big, bigger difference. Um, or a difference in a way that was necessary at that moment that would 
would actually affect positive change in the way that the uh, operations worked in that hospital. So um, they they did empower me for that. And I, I found it to be uh, thrilling. I think one of the challenges, and this is not just in veterinary medicine, this is in business, this is in any kind of company, is if you have a role, um, and depending on the company, you may be a number in that company because it's a huge company. So um, while your immediate supervisor is not going to treat you as a number because you're working day to day with them, mm-hmm. it's really hard to think of you as anything other than what you're doing, right? Because mm-hmm. you have this title uh, as veterinary technician. So this yeah. is what we're relying on you uh, to stay in this box so we, that we know that these lanes are covered. And so um, that's where it gets a little bit tricky. And that's in business. That's, you know, you have a t- this title, that's your role, that's your lane, you stay in it. So um, finding ways to kind of push those boundaries or at least um, come up with ideas of how you can be more impactful um, will allow everybody to be fulfilled, I think, whenever they do that. Um, and I, I always like to think of it, and by no means am I perfect. I have had so many uh, hiccups in my road, but what I have learned is because I'm on the, this side of it now, as far as, uh, um, supervising a lot of people, mm-hmm. things are always, there's always problems yeah. and there's people that complain about problems mm-hmm. and there's people that provide solution for, or propose solutions to problems. Right. Yep. And some people, some days you're just tired. You just want to complain. Uh, listen, we're all there. So we've all been there. Uh, yeah. it feels good to complain today. It does not feel good to solve the problem. Yeah. Uh, so um, that that is a given. But if there's a problem that you bring to somebody's attention, and the only way you bring it to their attention is by constantly complaining about it, there is not an incentive. You're not taking anything off of their plate in that moment, right? You're mm-hmm. adding something to their plate, and you're not giving them a lot of incentive to actually do something about it. But if you propose, hey, I've been noticing this problem, and I've been thinking about it, and I have this idea that I think might help solve that problem. They may come back to you and say, no, that's not going to work because X, Y, and Z, I've thought of that problem. So uh, anyways, uh, I think even if it is a no, when they come back and say it's a no and it's for these reasons why it's a no, that would be a good supervisor that tells you no and this is why. It doesn't have to end there because if, again, if you're really committed to solving problems, now let's start thinking about it. Now that you've been given new information by them, how can you approach it in a different way and try to problem solve as well? So, yeah, um, I think that's a hard anyways. skill to learn, though, because like it took me forever to learn that, like, instead of complaining, like if you don't like the way a certain protocol has changed, right? Like if you're like Dr. X wants this process done, ABC steps, whatever. And you're like, as a technician, you're like, well, I know that step B is not going to work very well because of these, but it's like, you have to be like, you have to be, you have to give facts of like, Hey, I like your idea. I do see some hiccups here and like make it more of a conversation versus a yes or no at all, any type of mm-hmm. like change or leadership direction or feedback or criticism always needs to be, I feel like an open conversation. And I feel like that gets missed. And like I did it a ton when I was like younger in my career, because like, I will fully admit I was a pushover. I was a yes, man. I just thought that saying yes constantly meant that I would grow faster. And mm-hmm. so I think it took me a long time to realize that that wasn't the case. And while I did like learn a lot doing that, I also burnt myself out, but then it it turned into, okay, well, 
now I think I have more of a voice because I worked with great doctors who allowed me to have a voice. And then it turned into, okay, well, again, I don't think this plan will work, but let's see if we can come up with a plan that will still get us the same results, but like actually be a little bit more efficient. And that might mean tweaking step B out of six steps, right? In just a little Mm -hmm. bit. But I think everybody has to be aware that like, you're allowed to have those conversations. There is no more of the, I'm just a technician. I can't talk to a doctor like that. Or like, that's the doctor. He came up with it. It has to go that way. And it's like, it doesn't because a technician and a doctor and a CSR all have different roles and know that things work differently and you have to communicate a little bit better. And I think kind of, yeah, trying to learn how to find leadership like that, right? Who Mm -hmm. is willing to have an open conversation, which will then in turn help you grow to be a leader like that as well. (laughs) And I think it's hard to find in vet med, but I think it's becoming more and more, um, popular? I don't know if that's... Well, I think there's a lot more resources now being uh, devoted to it, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Veterinary medicine, especially in the tech world, um, has really changed a lot over the past five years, 10 years. And there's a lot more conversations being had about um, impact in the hospital, teamwork, what people's roles are, where they overlap, um, but also, you know, balanced, right? We've seen so many people in this field, not just techs, but um, CSRs, doctors, everybody just getting burnt out. Um, and the pandemic really didn't help that um, no. at all and kind of um, heightened it a lot. So um, I'm happy that there's a lot of these resources out there and a lot more conversation happening around this. I, I would tell you in a clinical practice, if something like a, uh, a new policy goes into place or a new uh, SOP around something gets put into place, hopefully you would have uh, hopefully it's not a shock when it gets put in place. And there's mm-hmm. been lots of conversations that have happened before that. So everybody's on the same page, but a lot of times that's not the case. It's just yeah. here. This is what we're, we're doing. I would encourage people who are in those situations to, to stop, take a breath. And their first thing is to ask questions mm-hmm. because where I've gotten off the rails sometimes is I thought something was put in place for one reason or another. And I had my own, opinions and thoughts and ideas about that and why it wouldn't work. And then I simply ask the question, can you tell me why you're doing this, Mm -hmm. what you're hoping to achieve with this? And then that is a great end to have the discussion. If I understand it better, I actually might agree with it. I might say, okay, great. This has actually been explained to me in a way that I understand it better. And I know what we're trying to accomplish together with this. Yeah. And I think that's like, I think that is, that's, that's huge. Right. Because I think again, a lot of like, I, I say doctors a lot because that's just how the role of like vet clinics have always gone. There's a doctor owner and he manages or he or she manages the entire practice alone. And so it's one of those things where it's like, again, they didn't go to school to manage people or to be a business owner, or to be an accountant, to learn how to write SOPs and things like that. So it's like, they don't know that they should be having those conversations prior to things rolling out. And I think that's okay to go ahead and ask those questions because then it triggers like, oh, shoot, I probably should have talked to you guys about this first and really explained like what we were doing and why. And then that would change the dynamic of how things go in the future. And so it's such a simple step. But again, like doctors or hospital administrators or leadership in general, they're not perfect. 
right? Like some people mm-hmm. learn things in school. Some people learn things by doing. Some people learn things by, hey, having someone come up and be like, hey, can you explain this better to me? And then be like, oh, okay, you're right. I didn't communicate right. this at all. <laughs> so we didn't really, um, we didn't really touch on Brian where, what you do now. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Like why we have you on the show, because like we, we touched on the fact that you are a vet tech and, um, but you're no longer in a clinic setting. So kind of explain what you do now and what led you down this career path that you're currently on. Sure. Um, so right now, my my role is chief operating officer of Best Pet RX, which is a specialty compounding uh, pharmacy for animals mm-hmm. uh, based in New York. And uh, how I got here was, you know, when I moved over to that VCA hospital when we were bought out uh, and the doctor that I was very loyal to and really liked working with and learning from, um, he retired. I then started thinking, you know, I don't really have loyalties to where I'm at right now. And it's not because I'm, I don't enjoy the work. It's just, you know, what else is out there? Mm-hmm. And Best Pet RX at that time was a very young startup company. Um, and we had actually started using them because they were down the road from us. Mm-hmm. So we could use this compounding pharmacy that was down the road. And uh, I formed, you know, kind of a working relationship with uh, the ownership of the company. And it was a very small company at that point. Um, and I just, I got an idea. And I thought, look, I work with compounding pharmacies every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we probably had five or six compounding pharmacies that we used uh, for different reasons. And I said, I just approached them again. It's that whole audition thing, right? Yeah. But I just approached them and said, look, you guys are really great and you have a good idea and you're really good at the chemistry and the, the formulas that you're putting out for pets. I have this unique knowledge for how your customer base uses compounding Mm -hmm. and utilizes compounding and what we know and what we don't know and what we need in that space. I think it would be really cool if you had me on your team so that you could help develop this, this pharmacy in a way that's going to be more impactful to the veterinary community. Yeah. And I just sold it. I sold it simply as that. Now, what were you seeing going wrong, though? (laughs) Like, with what made you think that, like, hey, there's a different way to do this? Like, there's something. Sure. Uh, I would tell you there was nothing that I put my finger on and said, this needs to be fixed. I must work in pharmacy to do this. Pharmacy (laughs) was never never on my radar ever. Remember, I was going to be singing at nine o'clock at night on Broadway. Yeah. Um, But were you going to get one of those like red boot rolls? That's what I like. I would come watch. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it turns out I can't tap dance. Uh, So uh, (laughs) I can't dance. I look like just imagine a a dog with uh, nails that haven't been trimmed in months on a stainless steel table trying to get off. That's that's me tap dancing. <laughs> so, All right, Brian, you and I dance similar. So next time we get yeah, together, there we we'll go. Just, <laughs> That's we'll why we get along. Murder the dance floor together. <laughs> yes, yes. Everybody, watch out. Um, so I, I didn't have this burning desire to be in pharmacy, but I did see an opportunity where I can make an impact, um, and it was an idea that came to me. And they said that's a great idea, and they hired me. Now, this was me just thinking outside of the box, right? Mm -hmm. Because I could have had blinders on and said, my end goal is to be on Broadway no matter what. And I'm going to keep this as my survival job until I get there. Yeah. Or I could take the back roads 
Uh, and, you know, maybe one day I do end up on Broadway. Who knows? But I don't ha- that doesn't have to be today. <clears throat> and I had an opportunity put in front of me that I said yes to, uh, which I think is important when we're looking at our lives and what we think that we've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we block out opportunities that are right in front of our face because uh, we've already put that in a box. It's not for us. Right. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of us are scared of- What did I know about of- pharmacy? Right. I know. Pharmacology yeah. was like my worst class <laughs> in mm-hmm. tech school. It was. I knew about medicine, but I did not know about pharmacy. Yeah. Is that, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I, I think a lot of us, though, too, are scared of the no. Right. Like, because, mm-hmm. again, we get stuck in that whole, like, I'm an RVT and that's what I'm supposed to be. And like, that's what I went to school for. And I think it's hard for sure. us to take even those little ideas of like slinging a pug up so you can trim its nails. Right. Like. Those little ideas and people are so afraid of the no or the, the like potential like whisperings of what someone might say about you for having a weird or different or outside the box idea. When in reality, it's like, maybe they just didn't think that other people had the same idea. So it wouldn't roll forward when it's like, sometimes it just takes one more person saying, Hey, what about this? Right. Like to make things successful. Well, I think, um, all of us in the animal space are weird as, as all get out anyway. So lean into the weird, right? Don't be afraid to be weird. Don't be afraid to be that person that's on the fringes asking weird questions. And you know what? Uh, it's never dumb to ask a question. It's never dumb trying to solve a problem. It's never dumb to come up with ideas. I mean, if you think about it, uh, this is a crazy idea that just came to me, but I've thought <laughs> about this before. How did we get mustard? Like who is like, let me grind up I some think, of these seeds and let like me mix grind it. that seed up and mix it with some vinegar and that's going to taste good on a hamburger. That's how I feel who, about how do we people. Get there? That's how I feel about people who eat pufferfish. They're like, let me try this. Oh, that guy died. So yeah. let me try another part of it to see if it's okay. Yeah. Like, let me just try like an inch over. Yeah. And like it takes people of all kinds asking weird questions and doing weird stuff to move everything forward. I so think, never be afraid of that. Well, and I think we all forget though too, like we're scientists, right? Like we went to school for science and what science is, is asking questions and coming up with ideas and failing and still learning and growing and continuing to seek out that answer. Right. And that's a huge Mm -hmm. miss that I think we all, again, I think we're so stuck in the whole, Oh, I'm just a vet tech. Oh, I just have an associate's degree or maybe, Oh, I'm just grandfathered in or, you know, and it's like, Mm -hmm. stop shaming ourselves. Like we are amazing creatures and beings. And it's like, we are scientists just because we don't have a doctorate. Like, doesn't mean that like, we're not smart enough to do it. It just means that we had a preference to do it this way. And we're still scientists. And so I think that's hard to get past being scared to try those things. And so it's again, that you did. Don't be the only person on the football field tackling yourself. Again, mm-hmm. those demons come in your head, get out. Tell them to get out because I would tell you, and you know this, veterinary technicians out there possess such a wealth of knowledge and such mm-hmm. a wealth of experience that you are valuable so much, even outside of uh, the day-to-day of a vet tech job. And that's how I got this. My experience and my uh, my day to day and my wealth of knowledge about what I did know, I didn't know anything about pharmacology, but I knew a heck of a lot about veterinary medicine mm-hmm. and about how people operate in veterinary medicine, how we treat pets. That knowledge is valuable to a company that doesn't have it, yeah. right? 
Um, and so that's how I was able uh, to get there. And they didn't know what to do with me at first. So they, you know, were like, you're a customer service agent. You're going to be on the phones, closing orders with pet owners. Yeah, but look, at like, like, you took that risk, though. And right, like, essentially, that's almost a step back from what, well, that is a step back from what you were doing. You took a step that's down right. career-wise to mm -hmm. take a chance for an idea that you thought could work and look at you. And it's yeah. like... I think those risks are terrifying, right? Because it's like, mm -hmm. as vet techs, we already don't make a lot of money. And so how would, how would you, if you were to talk to your younger self and like the scared younger you, like, how would you mm -hmm. tell yourself to try to take that risk? Like, because it, it's terrifying. I would say, look at where you're at now. Yeah. If you take this risk and it fails, how much worse off are you? Mm-hmm right? What, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. And then go from there. Because oftentimes the worst that can happen is not the scariest thing in the world, but mm -hmm. we have it built up in our heads that it might be. Mm -hmm. Right. So I would just say, look at, look at what the consequences are if this doesn't work out. Worst case scenario, I'm back in a clinic as a vet tech, um, which, is a great which job. I loved. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great job. And I loved it. And I, you know, I, I really, some of my best years in my life were as a vet tech uh, in practice because it was just, it's, su it's a super rewarding career. Uh, so the worst thing that can happen is you're back in a super rewarding career. <laughs> so um, the, the good thing about uh, this for vet techs is you already have this knowledge and this uh, skill set to fall back on. You're never going to lose that. So mm -hmm. you've already made it to uh, one of the, you know, one of the levels that you can't go back from. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking to go to the next level and it doesn't work out and you come back to this level, you're still on a pretty good level. Yeah. Like and you now just hit a check. Maybe there'll be another like, one. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Bring in a video. Maybe game. there'll be another opportunity. Video game slang yeah. in here. We hit a checkpoint, you know, sometimes you die, you yeah. got to go back, but like, you're okay. <laughs> like you Listen, can you've already level. beat level three boss. You yeah. know, you can. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you yeah, tell my they, son I mean, plays like Fortnite way too much so that I'm just like, okay. I can, I can. I, I, I like the reference. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, oh. we got we to throw it in there. I don't, if you listen to the episodes, you know a lot of my crazy references. Yes. Yes. Uh, this isn't surprising for me. <laughs> I know. I know. If only Yvonne was here to rein me in sometimes, but right. <laughs> it's just amazing. So, okay. Trying to backtrack a little bit because I do want to hear about how how did you, you went into Best Predator X with an idea and they said, mm -hmm. good idea, but you're going to go over here for right now, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm -hmm. how did you keep it? Because like, you had to keep on them, right? You had to be like, keep promoting yourself to be like, hey, no, like, I still have this idea. I'm still good. Like, you got to keep pushing yourself to grow within that company. Otherwise, you're just going to stay in that customer service role. So how did you sure. I think with every level you get to, you have to exercise patience because you have to realize that you're going to go to the next level and not have a clue. There's information that you have got to learn to go to the next level, right? So I don't, I didn't have a clue about how pharmacies worked. I didn't have a clue about regulations. I didn't, I, I just knew how a pharmacy worked by ordering from them, mm -hmm. but I didn't know the back end stuff. So I, it took me, you know, about six months to really fully grasp okay, this is what we do. This is how we do it. This is what's currently the situation, right? You never want to get to a new position, just assuming you know everything about it and then try to put in policies and stuff that go or say that I'm the best person to start doing that because you don't have all the information yet, mm -hmm. right? 
So after about six months, I said, okay, I have a good handle on this. And then I just proposed to them some changes and some things that I think that we needed to do. So all the compounding pharmacies that we used, like all of them did a great job, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and they were very valuable. They played a huge role in our patients' care. uh, And I was very thankful for them. Uh, But there were certain things that I saw that, you know, there were there were small things that would could potentially make a big impact on mm-hmm. uh, pet owners and on the experience that veterinary professionals had in using a compounding pharmacy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the things uh, that I used to deal with is just being on hold all the time with a compounding pharmacy. I would I would call yeah. them and push seven different buttons to get to the right uh, queue and then wait on hold forever. And meanwhile, I'm trying to eat lunch because you didn't get a lunch break. And it's just like, it's taking quality of lifetime from me as an, uh, as a vet tech mm-hmm. calling that in. Right. <clears throat> so I wanted to make sure that people were answering the phones and answering them quickly. And we had a, a system in place to where the right person would uh, be directed to a phone call quickly or put other things in place to where phone mm-hmm. calls might not be necessary. So just easier ways to communicate with doctors. Um, I also, uh, you know, wanted to have two-way communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, a, if a pet owner never got a drug that I called in uh, or that we called in as, uh, to a pharmacy, mm-hmm. I would never know that until they come back uh, a month later and he's not yeah. better. And then it's, oh, well, what happened? Oh, I never got that. I never heard from them. Or it's or I, like I the never... back and forth of like, well, you called it in, but then now the client is saying that they called the pharmacy and the pharmacy saying it's not there. And so then the client yep. calls you all mad that, that it didn't get called in. You're like, no, I called it in an hour ago. And then you got to call again. And then the pharmacy's all like, oh, uh-huh. I have it. And you're like, yeah, what? <laughs> yeah. You want to pull out your eyebrows. It's crazy. I so hate that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's again, it's not malicious they're not trying to do that it's just and they're they're very good these pharmacies are they're just busy or it might be their systems or their processes so we wanted to make sure that we were exercising communication back to the vet if we weren't able to reach the pet owner within a couple of days reaching back out to the vet's office and saying hey do you have another number for them or another way to reach them because we want to make sure that they have access to this drug or if they decline it for any reason for cost or for they've decided not to treat at this moment we would also let the vet office know that so that they could put that in their records because it's just what I wanted it to feel like is that we were down the hall from you, not uh, down the street or in a different state or whatever. I wanted it to feel like a collaborative effort because you are trusting a third party with the care of your patients when you, uh, when you call it into a compounding pharmacy, wouldn't it be nice if that was a collaborative effort and it felt like they were working with you? Yeah. And so that's basically how I wanted to make everything feel. And that reduces human error and stuff. Cause right. Like we're human. We make mistakes. Pharmacists mm-hmm. and pharmacy techs can make mistakes of like, I've done it. I'm sure. I'm sure I've done it. Like reconstituted something wrong or counted too few mm-hmm. pills or too many pills or picked the wrong flavor or whatever. And it's mm-hmm. like, we if we just open up the lines of communication then usually those things are recognized so much sooner and corrected before it even could affect the client or the the patient and it i think that's important and i think i think we're finally getting there i think amongst just vet med in general where like all everybody is starting to head into that direction of like all right we we can do better and so we need to do better i wanted mm-hmm. to backtrack a little bit though cuz you were saying about how like you didn't want to rush like moving up and so you really did take time do you ever feel like 
because a lot of vet tech programs in particular, right, their associate degrees are relatively short. A lot of them are fast track. Like my uh, associate's degree program was 15 months. And so I think Mm -hmm. when we start off a career in such a rushed pace, like to get going and to get like a degree and to get in clinic, I think we lose sight of that patience that we need to have to really learn those skills in different roles in order to grow. And I feel like, I think we just get stuck in that like accelerated mode. And so like, how would you, what suggestion or advice could you give to try to convince somebody to just slow down, like just take it in and slow down because it's like, we don't have to rush these things. We don't. And, and the thing is, it's not just about you in those situations. And I think that is something that, you know, career oriented people, people who are driven, tend they focus a lot on themselves and where they're going and what their next step is. But you have to just take a step back and realize, okay, I'm in this new role. It's not about convincing me that I can do it. I've already done that. But no one's going to hand you the keys to the kingdom on day one in a new role and say, all of your ideas are great. You'll never do anything wrong here. You should be the owner, right? Uh, (laughs) You have to, it's not about convincing yourself. You on your end should take the time to learn and just know like, this is a great opportunity. I know it's at least going to take this long for me to move up to the next level because uh, I'm not going to convince anybody there before that time period Mm -hmm. that I can go up. I will not have had a chance to prove myself to show that any of my ideas work. So now that I know that I've got this built-in time that nothing's going to happen moving forward because mm-hmm. that's just the law, basically, you're not going to get there. Um, now I can look at this as an opportunity to soak in as much as I can on this level, mm-hmm. right? Because I guarantee you, the more you know about every level in a company, the better you are at the top whenever you get there. Oh yeah, uh, You understand it inside and out. And so you can look at it, you can get frustrated that you're not moving forward fast enough or you can look at it as a great opportunity that you have the, you actually have the time now to sit here and absorb all of this step before you move on to the next one. And I think that's important, like, especially if you want to head towards like a leadership role, right? Like if you yeah. really enjoy helping others to grow and succeed and lead and stuff like that, it it's also helpful to be there, <laughs> like in those situations. So that way you're not just like deli, like, right. You said it at the beginning where we're not just like, you're not managing, managing and leading are different things. And Mm -hmm. so managers tend to manage because they don't know that role, right? Like they don't know. My husband works for a corporate grocery store and we talk about it all the time because a lot of the higher ups have never worked in a grocery store. And so it's like when you have those people who've worked starting out as a bagger, right? Like starting out as a kennel tech, like you, they really do make, it makes leadership a little bit easier because you can relate to the struggles of that job. And you can also hear those ideas and be like, yeah, I did that, man, if I would have done it the way you're saying, or the way that you did it, that would have been so much easier back then. And so I think it just makes it more relatable and easier to grow like as a whole instead of just individually which is nice and i think again um it's a missed opportunity in some areas and so it's kind of unfortunate it can be it it can be i I would tell you though um not everybody is going to go and go to the top right um and it it isn't for everyone to branch out you know and I, i do think that there like we said earlier i think there's a lot to be said uh for 
for being a vet tech and being the best vet tech you can be, mm -hmm. because there's a great need for that right now. Oh, and, yeah. uh, you know, and there's, I, I'm hoping and I'm seeing signs that maybe that life balance is going to get better, mm -hmm. um, for vet techs because there's a heck of a lot more conversation around it right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I, I, I think being a vet tech is the greatest thing. I mean, and yeah. And we talk know, about it all the time, like actually, like, especially when it comes to leadership, like not every, like you said, not everybody's meant to be a leader. Not everybody wants to be a leader and that should be okay. Like if you yeah. don't want a promotion, if you don't want to be practice manager, if you want to be a technician, be that technician and just be the best damn technician you can be. And it's like, you can grow in that role to the best of your abilities. And just because you're not moving roles because you're happy where you are, doesn't mean you're not growing. And I think that's the part mm -hmm. too, that like, like, I don't want people to think that like, oh, just because I wanted to stay here in clinic and trim nails and be the best nail trimmer ever like that shouldn't be frowned upon and it's like from the outside looking in I frown upon nobody in those positions because those positions are needed if everybody wanted to move up to leadership we wouldn't have anybody in these roles and right. so it is very important and I don't think people should be ashamed of the fact that they don't want to be a manager or a leader or a CEO or you know all of these different things when it's like you went to school to be a vet tech it's okay mm -hmm. to be a vet tech. <laughs> and well, it's, you can say, be careful what you wish for sometimes too. I mean, uh, you know, the higher you go, the bigger your problems are. So, <laughs> um, the, the uh, more of a microscope you have under you and, and things mm -hmm. like that. So, or on you. Um, but no, I think uh, you're absolutely right. There's people that are meant to do other roles and this is what their passion is and that's what they want to do. And veterinary medicine is changing all the time. There's new research happening all the time. There's, I mean, that's why you have CE, right? Mm -hmm. To go out there and learn the new things that are happening. It is, it is a dynamic industry. It is not stagnant. It is not, you're not um, here doing the same thing over and over and over. You actually have the opportunity your entire career to continue to learn. And to me, that's really exciting. Uh, yeah. And it should be for anybody who's a scientist, who, uh, which vet techs are. Uh, it should be very exciting for them. You get to continue to learn. You're not at a career where you've hit this this end point, and that's it. You are, and there are careers out there like that. Yes. But this is this ain't one of them. This is one where you continue to grow um, constantly. Every day is a learning experience. Um, same in pharmacy. I mean, the world of medicine is constantly changing. So. Oh yeah. Um, Anybody who's a vet tech uh, is very lucky that they've made it to that point. And uh, um, I hope they feel I hope they feel proud of themselves and proud of where they're at, because it is uh, it's hard to get there. And um, but once you get that job, you're actually pretty lucky. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's not an it's not an easy job either. And it's like we no. all know like how hard it is. But then we also get into this situations where we're like it's become easy. And then we like I don't know, I feel like we almost like devalue ourselves a little bit when like the hard stuff becomes easy because it's like, Oh, it's just the day to day. And it's like, no, like you're amazing. <laughs> like, do you realize that? <laughs> like, And so yeah. I think that's a really great point to drive home. Um, well, Brian, this was, I love this episode <laughs> and um, <laughs> I really, really, really appreciate you coming on and talking about like the way your career was and how you moved. It's funny. Cause you and I almost started out very similarly. I started out in a small town in Ohio and I went to a vet clinic to shadow 
and I wanted to go to school to be a vet tech. I was on the, or uh, I wanted to do school to be a veterinarian. I was on the fence of veterinarian or marine biologist as per mm-hmm. usual, which I feel like is also very common. <laughs> <vet techs>. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I had a plan and everything. And then I went and I shadowed this doctor that I grew up with. Um, and he's like, well, have you ever thought about being a vet tech? And I was like, what's a vet tech? And then he explained it to me and I was like, genius. He even told me what school to apply to and like all this stuff. And I had my externship at that uh, clinic. Um, it was amazing. It was, we, we need more vet professionals like that willing to just spark that interest mm-hmm. and be like, you don't have to be a veterinarian, right? Like, <laughs> and so it's just, it's amazing. And I think this was an amazing opportunity to hear other views and other ways to like, really accept where you're at in your career but then like also continue to grow forward um so thank you so much i really really enjoy talking to you and i'm sorry your cat bit you well (laughs) (laughs) that's okay he he just needed to get into the episode that was his way so um, i love it thank you so much for having me on this was really a pleasure talking to you and uh i hope to be on again sometime soon very soon very very soon so um all right (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope everybody learned and enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Um, I had a fantastic time. I can't remember the last time I was like this thrilled at the end of an episode. So um, this is very exciting. Um, Okay, we will wrap this up for this week, guys. Thank you again so much for listening. And Brian, thank you again. And we'll talk next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.